As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Keir Starmer's England World Cup selection headache. Three guesses who's hosting the British International Freight Association's annual awards. Ali McCoist's timing is impeccable once again. Some worrying reports of Rolls-Royce being used as a verb. Old-fashioned toplonks. What happens when you can't remember the new set-piece concept of the draft excluder? The exact criteria for men against boys. Hat-trick heroes signed match balls versus your average office leaving card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 196 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for the adjudication panel, first of all, is David Walker. How's it going? Yeah, very good. Upgraded to the first of the two welcome slots in Charlie's absence, which I like. (laughs) Always get more gusto with the first um, how are you, I think. Uh, Interesting um, correspondence from a listener that I thought you might like. James Wellham writes and says, My son's under-12 team equalised today to make the score 1-1. At the restart, the opposition captain shouted, Come on! lads nil nil doesn't work <laughs> rubbish no it doesn't work you've scored oh, yeah it's fine one all's fine yeah <laughs> absolutely furious um hopefully equally furious with this is nick miller how's it going all uh, right a lesser man would feel bad about being uh demoted to the, well not dem- even demoted being in the second slot but i'm not that man so it's fine it's there's fine. no real benefit fine. there's no real benefit um, it just means one of you gets to toss the coin for For My Sins Corner. Who knows? But let's throw you straight in to For My Sins Corner. See how you do your first ever attempt at this. But I hear you have been playing along. Yeah, so that's but, good. Uh, yeah, but playing along while taking my cat to the vets. Uh, the, the, the walking along quite a quite a busy road. Lot a lot of people walking past, and uh, I. I tried to be subtle about it, but it didn't really work. Former Sins. The former Sins corner equivalent of banging them in in training. Let's let's do this. All right, okay. Um, To reiterate the rules for everybody, really, I'm going to play a very long clip from a recent popular radio station. My contestants, David Walker and Nick Miller, will shout out the words, For My Sins, when they think it's about to be uttered by the person on the radio. If you go too soon... The other person has a clear run at it. But if you're too late, well, who would be too late? That's not going to happen. Um, anyway, um, I think we're all reasonably clear what's going to happen. Dave, I've given you two options for the video here. Let's go for option one, please. What are you doing today? Uh, I've just come back from the food bank. I work uh, five days a week at our local Oasis Plymouth Food Bank. Well done. Three days a week in the stores and the other two days a week distributing the food behind the counter. Terrific. Good work. Uh, Are you noticing uh, an increase in uptake? A lot of people... Oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. You can see it. Yes, it's uh, it's been varied. Like I said, we're doing over 100 a session now. It's 100 people. Like you say, the 
we could do with extra donations, definitely. Right. Well, let's hope people in the it's local area. It's not going to get any easier. No. It's not going to get any easier, no. No, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, anybody in the local area, if you can, do uh, pop along and help uh, Ken and everybody else at the food bank. Away definitely, f- thank you. Away from that, what do you like to do? Uh, well, like I say, I like listening to music. Um, I go walking a lot evenings. Mm-hmm. Um I'm very interested in Old Plymouth. I've got uh, an interest in Old Plymouth, especially like, during the war years, the Blitz, etc., right. and the history. I take a big interest in that. I have a lot of books. Yeah. That. And Plymouth is a, an historic city, is it not? It certainly is, yes, for Drake. A lot there, yeah. Uh, yes. you're, uh, you talk about the music. You've got a, a vinyl collection, I believe. Yes, I have, yes. How over, many? Over two, about over 200 now. For my sins. That's, that's yeah. building. Are, uh, are you doing singles or albums or what? I've got a few singles, but ninety percent of them are albums. Yeah, yeah, they're the best. A lot of the lot of the old classic ones from the from the past. Have you got any rarities? Uh, yeah, I've got a few. I've got a Kate Bush saying that recently got a Kate Bush Japanese version of the Kick Inside Ooh. with a different with a different cover on it. Yeah, oh, that's. And sounds... I've got an Ameri- I've got an American version of the Homes of Love album. Right. Oh well, hang yeah, on to those. But... Hang on to those. Yeah. Certainly will, yeah. One day they'll be worth something. Right. There we go. <laughs> there isn't one. There wasn't one. Oh, <laughs> fuck's sake. The <laughs> ultimate twist. Oh. <laughs> well, I think I, th- I think it's to our credit that neither of us jumped in. And I did so- jump in after he said about having a big record collection. <laughs> a fairly standard one as well. That could, I mean, that, that was the most presentable opportunity of all. But no, there was no For My Sins. Can you believe it? The goalless um, draw. Yeah. Yeah, real stalemate before my sins. Um, I would suggest. Oh, yeah, hang, hang, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Do, do I not win by default here? I think you do. I, I mean, I mean, it's not a scenario that's ever been um, faced in Foremost Sins Corner. But I think you holding your nerve yeah. is to your credit. I mean, yeah. you didn't know when the clip was going to run out. I don't know really what that means morally. But uh, yeah, let's declare you the victor in Foremost Sins Corner and leave that one all behind us. Um, great stuff. Great stuff, though. Really enjoyed that. Right. <laughs> Next up, Labour may have opened up a 33-point vote intention lead in wake of the mini-budget chaos. But here, on the other hand, is Keir Starmer being grilled on England's forward line on Five Live Breakfast last week. OK, just a final question then, and I suspect you'll say this isn't within your job remit either, but should uh, Bukayo Saka be nailed on in Gareth Southgate starting eleven at the World Cup? Oh, I would hope so. It's not within my remit, but if I if it was within my remit, absolutely yes. Who are you playing with him up front then? Oh, uh, uh, for England, uh, I don't know who we put up front with him. Uh, well, I mean, what, you know, Kane is an obvious kind of starting point. Well, I'm just but... thinking, no, no, Kane and Saka. I mean, they, they do. Just trying to think of formulation. They're probably Kane and Saka does work best. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. It's probably the easiest question you'll face all day, to be fair. Uh, thank you for your time. Sir Kistarma, leader of the Labour Party. Oh, goodness me. Good God. Oh, the, the, the presenter must have thought this was the, the, the easiest possible route to some kind, something sort of light-hearted and, you know, just finish the, finish the interview off, uh, 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 off on a kind of, you know, light bubbly note. But no. Yeah. No. Uh, just awful. Um, Dave, if you listen to that clip one more time, uh, there is actually a general election at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake just say Harry Kane <laughs> oh dear it was the shuffling of the papers I really hoped it was his papers as if he had some notes in front of me going oh I've got this one fuck do, do, do you think he was he was thinking well okay Harry Kane's obviously the choice but oh he's a Tottenham player I'm an Arsenal fan what will they say what will they say if I even speak the name of a, a Tottenham player I could but, have yeah, seen that banter God. actually turning up yeah I could imagine yeah. that Yeah, I thought that's what he was going to do when, when she pressed him on Kane and he sort of mumbled. I thought he was going to say, "Yeah, but I can't have, I can't have Tottenham." Uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, I thought that's that was the road he was <laughs> going to go down. That would have been a good ghetto, actually. Yeah, but that would really would have salvaged the situation. But I just never want to hear that chat ever, ever again. If you do want to hear Keir Starmer talking marginally more impressively about football, then do check the episode in the archives. He has been on this very podcast. He just about held his own. I think that was fine. It emerges that the British International Freight Association are holding their annual awards in January. Nick, who do you reckon is host? Who do you reckon is hosting the annual Freight Service Awards competition? Yeah, well, the the, the nice thing about this is I do know uh, I did see this, but even if I hadn't seen it, uh, then I, I I'm pretty confident I'd give the right answer. 
It's Kevin Keegan, everyone. Kevin Keegan, OBE. Now, I, I should point out that, uh, Dave, the Football Ramble have already done this. They got to it first. <laughs> yes. As I think they did the first time, and that's fine. And they did it really well, too. So I'm, I'm not massively inclined to just simply repeat them. But what sort of stuff, Dave, do you think Keegan's turning down? I mean, nothing, presumably, by the, by the sounds of it. If I'm not giving out an industry award, if, it's just a, <laughs> if I'm just opening something, I'm not interested. I want to give out awards to people. But he famously doesn't really give many interviews, does he, in the sort of in the press he's you know obviously doesn't do punditry maybe maybe once in a blue moon you'll see him do a newspaper interview or speak to someone but maybe th- this is clearly the way to get him the, the journalists of the nation need to start attending all these really random industry awards on the off chance that Ke- Keegan's there or set up an award set up a, a, a fake, <laughs> fake award <awards>. ceremony <laughs> and you know arrange some kind of section in this fake awards and then just publish that as an interview. There you go, job done. The Sla- Niche I mean, it- Football Podcast Awards. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hosted by Kevin Keegan. Uh, that would be good, would be good. Uh, but he's, he's not the only one sort of um, dipping his toes into the corporate waters. Uh, Nick, I can reveal that the inaugural global ambassador for luxury bed linen manufacturers, Vida Royale, is Peter Shilton. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife, and his wife, uh, Steph. Uh, the promotional material, Dave, them lying on their luxury bedding. Steph is holding it what looks like a very expensive looking crystal football. And uh, Peter Shilton's right. holding out his hand. Because you, you have to make it football-y, otherwise people will forget that he's a footballer, right? It's not like a hand of God situation. No, not quite. No. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you rotate the picture 90 degrees, it is essentially Maradona. He's just beneath her on the bed. Yeah, yeah. it's actually perfect. Yeah, wow. Didn't think of it that way. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, they, they are the first ever, would you believe, global ambassadors for this luxury bedding company. The head of global sales um, declared that Steph and Peter are the perfect ambassador couple for Vida Royale. They personify glamour and luxury on the global stage, while also being hugely <laughs> admired for their social commitment, professionalism, authenticity and integrity. Everything that we stand for at VR. Nick, <laughs> honestly. I mean, uh, it's kind of obviously bollocks, but what? what I I, I, why... Because as far as, unless I'm missing something massive here, Peter Shilton in recent times is famous, as far as I can tell, for only for not being able to let 19xx go and still being bitter that you know, he was beaten to quite literally to the punch. So what what kind of company is thinking, yeah, he's he's the guy. He's the, he's the, the hot, young, relevant guy that we need to promote no our company. Absolutely no idea. How far down the list do you think he was? <laughs> Or maybe he was maybe he was the top target. We're only going to find out once we find out the second global ambassador for Vida Royale. Then we'll have an idea of the food chain for this sort of thing. But, um, Chris Woods? Oh. <laughs> Dave Besant, but it turns out he wasn't actually available. It's all a big yeah. myth. Um, <laughs> Dave, what do you reckon the global ambassador for Vida Royale actually has to do? <laughs> a, few more, a few more adverts. Yeah. Do, they have an awards, do they have an awards ceremony? Video for the company? Um, did they ring him up and offer him money and he says, I wouldn't get out of bed for this? And then they said, fine, <laughs> well, then you're perfect. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Anyway, right. Um, this next uh, conundrum, uh, which I attempted to deal with in uh, last Friday's It Is What It Is column, it, had, it made me resort, Nick, to two different WhatsApp groups to try and find an answer. But Paul Clarkson wrote in, he said, when can a player be judged to be in? As in, oh, and they're in. What are the parameters for this? Opposition half, final third. And how many players need to be between the player and the goal? One defender, two, or just the goalkeeper? Is there a width restriction? Be grateful for a judgment. Or what instinctively does the word mean to you? Oh, oh he's in, he's in. To me, it means kind of clean through, but in a slightly slightly kind of unexpected fashion. Like, you, 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 there isn't like a, a big build-up to the to the move, you know, that the, there isn't a, a, a perfectly constructed chance. It's just the ball breaks and he's in. He's clean through on goal, but maybe the ball is kind of deflected into his path or something. Okay, that's this is a this is a factor I hadn't considered, Dave. The unexpectedness mm. of the player being in, which means I, more of a surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I, I think it's a, it's an instinctive moment sort of thing. And it's it, it's almost you almost say it in that sort of transitionary moment when the like it's not like a perfectly weighted through ball. You can't see the player making the run to sort of anticipate what might happen if it gets executed properly. Right. As you as you say, Nick, it could be a dribble, it could be an interception or something, and all of a sudden there is, if not a sort of golden gilt edged chance, but there's the prospect of scoring a goal is it's imminent. It's opening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
But Nick, is in the same as being through? I, I mean, I don't think it is because the being through is the scenario you you painted at the first mention, which is a striker being straight through on goal with only the goalkeeper to beat. That's through, isn't it? Which is better than being in, surely. Uh, yeah. In, well, in, in to me is like a player sort of who's broken the offside track wide, but there's a possibility they might have to pass the ball eventually. So they're not necessarily going to score. Yeah, th- th- through. I think through implies more space. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, they are, you know, they're clean through and the defender's nowhere to be seen. But if you're in, are, as you say, there might be defenders around, but it's still a, a kind of relatively clear chance one thing i did notice in in the research for this dave i call this research um, um quite a versatile concept i mean it can be used for any sort of circumstances as i said it could be a fullback who's just sort of overlapped and is now in behind but isn't necessarily going to score themselves but so a co-commentator will probably jump in with oh, oh he's in he's in he's in here but i noticed that fans will shout you're in mm. as if they're communicating directly to the players yeah it's absolutely fantastic oh you're in you're in yeah, exactly. Really? I I do I do that quite a lot actually. When you when you mentioned it to me the other day, that was my first thought. Not he's in. It was you're in. You're in. Yeah. You're in. You're in. Why why we feel the need to communicate directly with the player in that circumstance? I'm but, not sure. But I think that's again that's sort of part of it because it's almost an encouragement, and it's like in doesn't mean that the player's obviously going to score. It's yeah. still they still need to. It's almost as though they, they need to because they could maybe check back or pass or whatever. But it's like no, you're in, you're in. Yeah, go yeah, on, go, for it. go yeah. on, yeah. drive, drive as yeah. <laughs> proper pro level people shout, which I will never ever do. I don't like drive. You're hearing it like step ten, and I think I give it a rest. I, I I shout drive at Sunday league. <laughs> God. I do, yeah. No, I'm not keen on drive. Not, not on for it. Um, what, what? Sorry to derail this slightly, but what, what, what circumstances do you shout drive? Is this when someone's when, when someone's so, got the ball in yeah. out, out, out wide in space, and there's eight, there's acres of space ahead of them, but they they for whatever reason are not getting into it. They're not running forward with the ball. They're sort of unconfident or they're passing. I don't know. In, in ultra modern football parlance, it's almost like ball progression, like. You're trying to get the ball high up the field as quickly as possible to turn that space into a numerical advantage. And uh, drive is the only way that you're allowed to go from A to B in that context. And it seems to have sort of dribbled down into real amateur football where players that simply don't have the physical capacity to drive. But I do find it quite funny. Right, one final attempt at the cometh the hour, cometh the man discourse. Uh, here's Ali McCoist appreciating a John Lundstrom crossfield pass just before Antonio Cholak puts Rangers 2-0 up at Hearts with 29 minutes and 47 seconds gone of the Saturday 12.30pm kickoff. Some classic McCoy's to start. What a ball that was. What a ball. Just a bit. Matondo. Threading it through for Cholak! He's done it again! There's no stopping this man at the moment! It's another goal for Antonio Cholak! And Rangers are sitting pretty on a 2-0 lead after half an hour. Well, it's the first time in the game I've seen Matondo. Well, I'll tell you something, what a pass this is from Lundstrom, left foot. That's right at the one o'clock gun, and he's onside. What a pass that is, a bullet. Right out of the one o'clock gun. Now, there are two strands here. First of all, I should explain what the one o'clock gun is. Either of you know? Is it a Scottish thing? (laughs) It very much is a Scottish thing. In Edinburgh, they fire the cannons. yeah. Off the top of Edinburgh Ooh. Castle at one o'clock every day, except for Sundays, Good Friday and Christmas Day, a 105mm field gun is fired from the Mills Mount Battery. And uh, if, if, my, if my maths are correct and the game kicked off promptly, that would have happened exactly at the same time that John Lindstrom hit that crossfield pass. Incredible dexterity of thought from the man McCoyce there, Nick. Sensational stuff. And yeah. that, that, that was at Hearts, wasn't it? Was yeah, it? So, so mere miles away from, mm. uh, from where that cannon would have been fired as well. You can't fault that kind of stuff. No. Come of the hour, come of the gun. Come of the, uh, it's in the wider universe of come of the hour, come <laughs> of the man. And uh, who knew, who would have thought that Ali McCoyce, of all people, would have been my ally here? My alley. Um, fantastic <laughs> stuff. Um, how do we feel about this? Cal writes in and says, I overheard someone in the Shrewsbury end today say that if we had signed a few more players, we'd be Rolls-Roycing the league. <laughs> Rolls-Royce cannot be used as a verb, surely. Completely agree. Dave, w- no, not having it. Definitely not. No. You can't be a Rolls-Royce as a collective either. No, I would discourage that, but certainly yeah. not a verb. 
No. That's just, yeah, it's, it's a horrible development, isn't it, Nick? It's, it's an open and shut case. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. Uh, very interested by this one. I think we might end up in a kind of regional tangle over this in the next couple of days. Rob Barker and many others wrote in about Jonathan Pierce's labelling of Gabriel Jesus's Brazilian style effort on goal versus Spurs. Jesus, change of direction. Brilliantly done. Lloris blocks and gets the follow up from Erdogan. Would have been a super goal. Lovely change of direction through Emerson Royale off the set and then an old fashioned toe plonk. <laughs> Whoa, there. <laughs> Nick, as the most northerly of the three of us, uh, of heritage at least, ever heard toe plonk? I've never heard toe plonk. Absolutely not. And I can see why you would think it might be a northern thing, but toe mm. plonk. But again, does it fall into that category of you kind of, it's stupid, but you know what he means? Yeah. Or or do we only know what he means because it's toe something? Can you can you affix anything onto the end of toe and you know what, what what's happening? <laughs> There's a rhythm to it at Bridge, but you could pretty much say anything. But Dave, I, maybe I wonder if we could get granular on this. Maybe it, is, it was deliberate. A toe plonk seems a little bit clumsier than a toe punt or toe poke, both of which are kind of impudent and but also quite precise in their own way, like sort of Romario USA 94 style. But a toe plonk is almost like a sort of hurried effort. Yeah, well, I suppose toe, it's closer to a punt than a poke, I would say. A toe poke, a toe punt, I think, is just sort of... Booting it clear. Just, yeah, just, just exactly. For whatever reason, that's just, the, it's the easiest way to just whack it and get it out and see what happens whereas a toe poke is a little bit more of a as you say a clever minimal backlift actually that's a clever way of finishing just a little toe poke it's all it needed yeah caught the goalkeeper off guard plonk you'd maybe be kind of reduced to a toe plonk whereas a toe poke feels more kind of you know as you say deliberate and in control Hmm, I agree. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, that was all that was available to him. But very interested to know, A, if anybody out there actually says toe plonk uh, as standard, uh, or B, what other things you call toe punts? Please let us know. This one will run and run. Suspect this one won't, though. This is from Kai Owen. Now, Wrexham Nick, a media savvy club, uh, very conscious of their image, I imagine now. But this is quite the slip from their social media team. 80 minutes, they wrote. Big chance. Davis kicks a dropping ball from inside the box and it nestles just wide of the post. What? Oh, no. Well, hang on. Uh, Where's it uh, gone? Uh, yeah, well, th- this is key. I mean, is it maybe giving them the, too much benefit of the doubt, but we don't, we don't know where it The pool has gone. It, yeah. Does it count if it got like, you know, those the, the advertising, the old style advertising boards where it might get stuck underneath it or something? Like that, or stuck between something? Would that still be a nestle? Huge I'm, get, I'm, I'm being too. I'm being too lenient here, aren't I? Yeah, I think we can discount any soft place that it might have ended up, Dave. This is bad, bad, bad behaviour. I just can't fathom how this would come about. Who is writing these tweets? And it might be wrong of me to assume this, but you you would expect maybe someone who's assume, who's doing this is, is on the younger end. Of, oh come on. of things. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably. If they just sort of picked up the word just Nestle, Nestle's is, and Nestle's thinks, is where somewhere yeah. the ball goes. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Awful if so. Um, it re- reads, reads a bit like one of those kind of, like an AI generated thing that's just been mm. fed a load of football-esque words into into the machine and it spits um, something out. I mean, we have overlooked the fact that the, the this passage begins with Davis kicks a dropping ball from inside the box. Just kicks it, does he? Mm. Brilliant. How evocative that is. So, yeah, might as well get Ryan Reynolds on it as far as I'm concerned because... Uh, it's only going downhill. Right, over to Ireland. Now, this is first one is from Eddie Curley, who's watching the highlights of St. Pat's versus Derry City. Derry City have a free kick. They opt to go under the wall, but I wasn't prepared for this. It's going to be Will Patrick. It's through the wall, and Danny Rifle has done really, really well, because that's not his side, whether it went through the wall or under the wall. Rogers has to get across, because he would have seen that really, really late to St. Pat's goalkeeper. Yeah, well, it's the new thing now, isn't it? The, the fan extractor under the wall. Pat's not <laughs> <laughs> the fan extractor. Amazing. I mean, I have, first of all, Nick, I have to say I'm not on board with draft excluder at all. I, it, it feels like that it has to go through a lengthy period of time before it can be adopted in the football language. But since there isn't much competition, I'm happy with it for now. But fan extractor... <laughs> It's brilliant. I mean, you can see why that might have been top of his head uh, as, as as he scrabbled around for the idea. 
Yeah, maybe he's just introducing any kind of sort of household items to use as something that blocks it. You know, it's it's a fridge on its side. It's a it's a wardrobe. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fan extractor. Dave, if we think that uh, draft excluder was used or has has come into reasonably mainstream use because it, it accurately reflects the idea of a player lying down to block a gap under a wall or fitting, mm. yes. so that's that's fine. What would a player have to do to be accurately described as a fan extractor? <laughs> Wouldn't, Wouldn't they, they have to sort of stand stand in front of the wall and they all rotate him around like a like a wedding photo? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of like a big industrial one. Would that sort of make yourself into like a sort of crouch down and sort of make yourself into a box? Right. But yeah, I see what you mean now. Yeah, rotating themselves, just doing just doing cartwheels behind like the world wall. World in motion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that, that could work because that would block that would occasionally block some of the gap and then mm. cover all other angles. Somebody would need to just like pull on his ear or something to turn him on. <laughs> <laughs> on the strings of his shorts um, same game uh, the co-commentator here was Brian Kerr by the way the former Public of Ireland manager this is from Joss who was watching the same game and uh, he wonders if this next passage breaks the record for the most instantaneous commentator's curse of all time you do feel like the toy has torn ever so slightly in this game. You've, although Derry were a better team in the fourth half, probing a lot, it seems to have shifted into Pat's favour now. It's Kavanagh! Oh, it's <laughs> touch. I'll never what not a find this one. Fantastic goal from Keen oh. Kavanagh, former St. Pat's Academy player, introduced less than a minute ago, and he has absolutely smashed that into the far corner beyond Danny Rogers. Some not- sympathy here, Nick, because you know these things can turn so suddenly, but. Oh, it's almost like the co-commentators were coming up. Look across the line! Look across the line! Figure out what's going on! You should have known! Yeah, just to, to explain that the, the, for anyone who hasn't seen that clip, which I imagine is quite a few people, but mm. it's, a, it's a kind of long ball. And as he's, as he's saying all that, it gradually breaks to the striker who's in. Yeah. See, he, he was in there. He was in, yeah. He was in. Mm. Barely even through. And the timing was so exquisite that Kerr's last words about the opposition being on top were just as he hit the shot, absolutely perfectly as he hit the shot. You can't you can't script that kind of stuff. No, it's absolutely exquisite deploying of the commentator's curse, Dave. You've got to sympathise in these circumstances, but at the same time, it's great fun for the likes of us. It is great. I wonder if you were to look into it, or maybe if you were to ask commentators, it sort of is more like you leave yourself open to it if you go on one of those sort of... You don't need. Does he need to say that? Like in that moment. <laughs> That's a good point. It, it, it is one. It is at the kind of more unnecessary end of co-commentary. I don't really need to know, actually. But yeah, it is a it's... minefield. Speaking of Dublin-based football chat, if you're around in November, the 16th of November, on a Wednesday night to be specific, come down to the Liberty Hall Theatre in Dublin and join quite literally hundreds of other people for the Football Clichés live show. We'll also be at London's Earth in Hackney on the 8th. And the New Century Hall in Manchester on the 15th as well. So grab your ticket from myticket.co.uk or just Google Football Clichés Live. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone, host of Handbrake Off, the twice-weekly Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic each week. I'm joined by two of Amy Lawrence, Adrian Clark, Art De Roche and James McNicholas. What a lineup that is to talk about the best club in the Premier League. This week, join us to bask in the North London Derby glory. And let me tell you, do we bask? <laughs> yes, we do. Come back later in the week on Friday as we look ahead to another massive tussle with Liverpool and look to keep the number one firmly by our name. Search for Handbrake Off now, available wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you could hit follow to make sure you keep up with the best team, that's us covering the best team. That is Handbrake Off. So good, we made it twice. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. 
Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, welcome back. Next up, I want to do a nice big section on Manchester City 6, Manchester United 3. A really healthy scoreline, Dave. You don't see many 6-3s and... Uh, it's nice to just drop a 6-3 in every now and then. I like it. There's a nice sort of... The, the, it's, it's, it's well balanced. I was sitting there thinking when it was 6-2, I was thinking, you don't often see a 6-2. Okay, I can't remember any 6-2s. It's a bit weird. 5-2, yeah. 6-6-2, six, six, no. But then the third, yeah, that equaled things up quite nicely. I remember going to one of my... Probably in the first five or so matches I ever saw live was a 6-3, actually. Watford against Grimsby. And similarly, um, two players scored hat-tricks for Watford that day, like they did for Man City yesterday. The nice thing about 6-3 is that you can you, you look at, you can just look at the scoreline and you don't really know what's happened. It's so a 6-1 or 6-0, you obviously know how that's gone. Yeah. If it's Even if it's 6-2, you think, well, that's, that's fairly one-sided. But 6-3, yeah. that could, I mean, that, that could have been a, a, some kind of ding-dong tussle. Yeah, until, you're going to need to watch it. Yeah, you're going to need to watch it, you're going to need to read about it, you're going to need to know um, a little bit more about the game than uh, you would if it was a more emphatic scoreline. Proportional to a 2-1. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like a 2-1 on steroids. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but this game threw up all sorts of questions and observations. This, is, this first one is from Tim Durgan. He says, I heard United versus City described as men against boys. What is the threshold for men against boys? Is it purely on a scoreline basis or would a dominating 2-0 performance also count? Would it be unfair to use the phrase? When? Well, in a way, though, the boys were the ones doing all the damage yesterday. Mm. Pair of, what, 21-year-olds or 22-year-olds. Oh, I see, hard... yeah. Yeah. Oh, that complicates things. But but interesting for this one, Nick, I, I kind of agree with, with Tim to an extent. I don't think the scoreline is massively relevant here. It's the style of victory, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's a it's it's more of a vibe than a, something that can be quantified, I think. Mm. Yeah. Men against boys is... And and also uh, you were quite right to bring the age into it, but I don't think that I don't think that really applies. No. It's, again, it's more of a kind of it's more of a vibe. It's more of a. It's not uh, even a physical thing, is it? They're not no. it's like they're physically bigger than the other team. It's just it's just it's just quite insulting, isn't it? That's the whole point of it: rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, the, you, you, men against boys. You you you're picturing um, lots of shots of the the team. The boys' team standing mm. around, looking at each other, not knowing what's going, not, not not knowing quite what's happened to them, um, while they are kind of schooled by by the others. Interesting, because this is it. it's exactly the same conditions as a schooling, isn't it? It's exactly the same principle. It's not necessarily about being hammered four, five, six nil. It's just about being taught a lesson. That's what men against boys is. It's a schooling. Um, on the last point on this, Nick, is it more complementary to the men? or more dismissive to the boys? Or is it a 50-50 thing? I'd say it's probably 60-40 in favour of being horrible to the boys. Yeah, I would go slightly more in favour of... Yeah, but you're right in that kind of waiting. I think it's maybe more 70-30. I think it's... You know, we've got, we've got to get... Obviously, we've got to get this right. 65-35? Um, yeah, split the difference. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I think that's about right, actually. I'm quite happy with this. Uh, the Sky cameras were quick. Dave to clock the United fans leaving early and when those fans have been clocked leaving early there is only one thing to say well I've seen enough hey! yes. lovely 
quite literally the only words that are allowed under UK law to be uttered when some fans are leaving a football match early. There's a sort of there's a byproduct of this, which is well, well, firstly the 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 shot there of from outside the ground of the the, the people leaving the stadium yeah. is key because yeah. if they're just you know, if they're just go- going out out of their seats onto the concourse, then you know, you can't oh, be sure. So they're, they're going to they're, they're going to get their halftime cup of tea early or whatever it is. But there's a kind of irritating byproduct of this, which my own people uh, are very guilty of, because Nottingham Forest lost six nil to Man City a few a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, and the, in the aftermath of these Manchester United fans streaming out of, of the Etihad, there's been lots of like clips of all the Forest fans remaining in place until the end of the game, <laughs> singing throughout and just yeah. go, "Well, these are proper fans." Which, well, even though even though it is that th- these are my people, I find incredibly irritating. Surely this is something that is particular to a local derby because they can just they can just go home. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, it's really about beating the something. traffic. It's not about having a long journey home. It's just, well, we'll get home even earlier if we go now. So he's yeah. taking advantage of the journey. They can just go to the pub, can go and do the things that they would do anyway. Whereas if you've travelled hundreds of miles, yeah, you know, you might have a set train, you might have the coach, whatever. Yeah, if you, mm. maybe you can get in your car early, fine. But it's just, you've made the commitment to get there. So I think there'd be more people who would sit through it begrudgingly mm. as opposed to this. You just think, oh, fuck this, come on. Yeah, you have to factor that into the virtue of sticking mm. around in those circumstances. Yeah, completely agree. Simon Rose writes in, says, Christian Eriksen described um, the 6-3 defeat for Manchester United as a bad day at the office. Can slash should you say that after an away game? Surely their office in this context is Old Trafford. Dave, I think this is too literal. I think it can be a bad day at the office anywhere. The office, I mean, these days, the office, your office is anywhere. Absolutely. They don't really have an office, do they? They're travelling salesmen. The office is football pitches, brackets general. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never, ever considered this as a as a home stadium only thing. This sounds like the sort of thing that I would claim and then have to backtrack over steadily over the next 10 days. But Not going to fall it, into this trap. Would Christian Eriksen then, uh, when he's doing his little walk around the pitch before the game, just do the... Not a bad, not a bad view from today's office. <laughs> <laughs> Awful, <laughs> dreadful. Don't like it. Um, very, very interesting point raised here from Eddie Rose and a couple of others actually, who um, spotted the picture of Erling Haaland with his signed match ball proudly posted on Twitter. Modern balls, Nick. Really hard to write on the texture. I tell you what, it's exactly like. It's exactly like if you've ever written the address on an envelope after you've put in a birthday card with some sort of textured design on the front and you've put the design underneath the bit where you're going to have to write it, then you have to write it and then you, your pen sort of falls into a crevice and then you're really annoyed because you've fucked it and you haven't got another envelope. That's exactly the same principle. And you you, you punch a hole in the Yeah, well, yeah, in extreme hurts. circumstances, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but also not a lot of like extended white space on the, the, the ball. Maybe this current Premier League ball is, is a little better for that. But yeah. Space very much at a premium on this new ball, I have to say, yeah. You wouldn't get that in your, your, your classic old tango, would you? Lots of lots of white. Yeah, you, you could you could allocate a panel per person on on that. These too balls, many too many chance. grooves. Yeah. yeah. On these the grooves balls. the issue. The aero yeah. grooves. They might well be designed for stable and steady flight through the air, but they are not designed for hat-trick goal scorers. Um, interesting, Dave. I always try and zoom in on these things to try and sort of figure out what players are writing on these balls because it must be... What sort of thing, what sort of sentiments are you are you putting there for posterity? And uh, uh, obviously, the handwriting of a modern Premier League footballer is abysmal, and, and rightly so. But um, here, this is from Americ Laporte, who wrote... Uh, this is what he wrote on the ball. Signed more of these balls than contracts... Congrats, Titan. A nice little bit of banter. I mean, but is that the sort of banter that would stand the test of time if someone's putting the ball up in there in, in, a, in a glass case for 30 years? I don't know. Um, you, might go, you might live to regret it, is what I'm saying. You could have thought of something more profound. It kind of hadn't occurred to me that there'd be a message on there. I assumed it was just literally signing someone's, putting someone's signature. Oh, like someone, yeah. Like, like people are kind of writing a leaving card or something. Yeah, That's it's what it's exactly like. leaving card length message, definitely. Oh, yeah. what do I write? Oh, God, I've, I've gone <laughs> too, I've gone on too long. Some, <laughs> some bellend has taken up half the half the card with their message and it's, <laughs> you have to kind of squeeze it into one corner, you have to write sideways to fill it all in. <laughs> uh, never thought of this as leaving card level um, intellect, but it is, it's exactly the same. Someone's going around the dressing room with the ball under their shirt. Have you, have you signed it yet? <laughs> <laughs> And there's, right. a, there's a new there's a new signing who doesn't really know the person who's, who's got the hat trick. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, have been to... here. 
Yeah, it's what yeah. Sergio Sergio Gomez. Oh, I've only been here. I've only been here two months. I don't know him really. <laughs> this is great. Sensational. Um, in the midst of all this, a uh, recurring theme that troubled has troubled us before. I believe it was Harry Maguire scoring for England a few months ago. But um, Phil Foden, Dave, presumably it was for his first goal, rolled out the shush and ear cup simultaneously celebration. What do you want, mate? Yeah. I, I mean, we were remarking upon this while watching it in the pub yesterday. He was shushing his own... Who was he shushing? Because he's not getting stick, is he? I mean, I, I, he might... No, because he, he was running past the United fans, wasn't he? No, he was, going, he was just running to his home fans, yeah. Oh, I see. The mystery deepens then. Well, they, well maybe he sort of was past them en route to the home home fans. Cause they are he was of, telling one set of fans they're to in shush that corner. and one set of fans he was cupping his ear to. That make more sense. Maybe, but know. did he get stick from in, in the week because of England? He didn't play that well maybe, for England. Maybe, but yeah, but maybe it was from his own fans though. But a bit tenuous. Sure. Yeah, interesting mix of motivations there. This uh, widens the universe slightly, but it's still relevant. Nick um, Andrew Tice writes in and says, "Watching my Portland Timbers struggle against LAFC has me wondering: is there is a large difference in class always a golf, or is there any other acceptable measurement?" Um, What's what's smaller than a golf in terms of differences in class? Just a gap. Uh, it's a gap. Yeah. Or is a gap just league tables? I think no, you can you can have and you can have variance on gap. You can have a significant gap or mm. just a plain gap. Yeah. But yeah, go, I can't think of anything else other than golf. You can have a chasm. A, yeah, chasm. Mm. Mm, I guess so. But that's I, I was, in, in my head. I was going through sort of smaller bodies of water than a golf. Yeah, that's not. It's not really. Doesn't. That's not how it works, is it? Important it's a caveat. Of class. No. No, I know what you mean. But an important caveat here is that chasm is only kind of used in hypothesis, Dave. It's like there's a golf between these two teams, and if they're not careful, it's going to turn into a chasm. Is a chasm bigger than a golf? A chasm is definitely bigger than a golf. I mean, yeah. chasm's immeasurable. It's almost like a mythical thing. Chasms don't actually exist, do they? <laughs> do, do chasms exist? <laughs> Uh, isn't that like the Grand Canyon? Is that oh, sort yeah, of a chasm? yeah, a chasm is a deep fissure in the Earth's surface. Oh, canyons are chasms, are they? Oh, interesting. I don't know. I don't Did know if they are. That? Maybe once upon a time. But So uh, surely a gulf is bigger than a chasm, then, in that case? Well, is it? But a chasm, you're just saying it was about deep depth. Then. Yeah, chasm's not, not deeper. Oh, yeah, right, chasm's okay. deeper. But then the idea is that separation, you want, you want width than depth. Mm. Depth doesn't mean anything in terms of differences in class, does it? May, may, mm. Well, may, maybe if... If the it's it's like a kind of length of time thing that you can have in a single game you can have a, there's a golfing class yeah but if if it if the chasm is deeper then it's something that has built up over a long period of time like there's mm. a you could say there was a chasm of class between Manchester City and Manchester United because it, that's it's been that way for quite a long time now but if but if say if Man City beat Liverpool five nil then that's it, it, it would still be a kind of significant distance. I, th- I think chasm definitely so... has a has a time aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Hasn't, I agree. Hasn't been quite so long. Yeah. Weird that golf is the is the default one though, Dave. Just, just seems an odd word for it. A golf golfing class, but it is. It's the go to, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Weird. Nobody knows why. Um, bit of Watford next for you, Dave. Um, Watford talk. Writes in, says Don Goodman during Stoke versus Watford described Aidan Flint as six foot six and counting. How, how tall? How tall do we think the thirty-three-year-old would eventually pick up? I like this. I don't care because I'm all for it. Instead of six, oh, is he six foot five, six foot six? No, I want six foot six and counting. Brilliant. Well, I suppose if you're counting downwards, you probably you probably are shrinking past a certain point in your life. So maybe that works. I don't know if you can have it downwards, not having that. Right. Um, how about this? Perhaps a su- more subtle dilemma for us, Nick. Nicky Ells, 09, writes in, says, Alan Smith commented that uh, Gianluca Scamacca was doing it on the Premier League stage after his goal against Wolves. Now, you've obviously got the European and international stages. Does the Premier League have one too? I'm not sure about this. The Premier League stage. Is it a stage? Um, do we do we do we specifically refer to the Premier League stage? I Well, I mean, that, now you, you put it like that, I can't think of... Any other examples of it being well, said? But it sort of makes sense. Yeah. He's doing it on the Premier League stage because he's, now. Because he's a newcomer to the league. It's a bigger platform for him. <laughs> I think it's When fine, does a platform become it? a stage, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, but I, I understand the mechanics of it. I understand the, the theory behind it, the narrative behind it. But it is the Premier League a stage? We talk about the international stage. And we talk about, well, he's doing it on the European stage now. But do we talk about players doing it on the Premier League stage? Maybe a championship striker stepping up. Yeah, yeah. When it when it is a, it's not. It's the same stage. It's just a different part of the stage. 
No, I think it's that. I think that's a, a different stage. Okay, I'm not convinced the Premier League is a stage. What, but when it when it is an identifiable uh, step up, yeah, sure. Surely that's a different I mean, stage. The logic's all there. Yeah. I, I'm just I'm just thinking about frequency of use. Um, yeah. We always have to think about that. We always have to think about that. It's time for Keys and Grey Corner. <laughs> First of all, on the Keys and Grey podcast this week was an immensely Keys and Grey podcast guest. It was former Premier League referee Jeff Winter. Now, two things about this appearance on Keys and Grey. First of all, um, Keysy launches into what at first, Nick, feels like a, a long axe he's had to grind about a Jeff Winter decision. This is from Charlton versus Coventry in 1999 and uh, eventually unravels into uh, something a little bit more obvious. First goal should not have stood. Hedman has has his hand on the ball and the ball is between his hand and the surface, but you gave it. And then you sent Aloisi off instead of that knob Danny Mills. What were you thinking? Well, hindsight is a wonderful thing. I can't recall the first incident. Um, I mean, I only refereed for 25 years, so <laughs> one mistake in 25 years, I suppose. I'm going to have to take that on the chin because you're, you know, you're a learned football man, and if you were telling me I got it wrong, I got it wrong. Um, well, here we go. Could, to be fair, Jeff, you, you couldn't see it, to be fair. So, couldn't see a lot point. of things. Um, on the second one, it does feature on my the story of Dan Mills does feature, and that incident with John Aloisi uh, does feature on my after dinner act. Ah. And ah. I think I say then what um, I should have thought at the time. <laughs> if I'd known it was Danny Mills and how he was going to turn out, I mightn't have seen that elbow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he tells it better on the actual after dinner yeah, Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And and those that haven't followed the Winter versus Mills saga should do. And and Jeff Winter is available Winter for versus. after dinners. Um, and it, it, if you wish, and I would, uh, to, to any corner of the globe. It, it's just <laughs> very funny, man. Any corner of the globe. If you want to rock up and hear a story about Danny Mills getting sent off or getting John Aloisi sent off for Coventry against Charlton in 1999, you know where to go. Extraordinary, extraordinary stuff. Do you think Jeff Winter, Nick, is the most after-dinner-y referee of all? Oh, I mean, surely Mike Dean's pretty after-dinner-y mm. now. Um, I think he might have skipped that phase already. I think he'll think? go straight to Strictly. Yeah, because I think after-dinner, exactly, exactly. After-dinner is sort of, it's it's not top-tier post-football earnings, is it? It's sort of steady earners ticking over the same sorts of people, but they're not, yeah... It can be if you've if you've done all the, all those other things and then you've got nothing left and then you go into the after dinner because I mean that's easy money at the end of it isn't it but yeah um, I think Dino has has kind of superseded the after dinner stage um, but yeah I mean maybe maybe the material is better than that Dave in the long run who knows I'd like to think so I mean yeah. they probably be probably not cheap the after dinner no ticket tickets for this three course <laughs> meal bottle of wine but, but what you, you're looking three figures aren't you I reckon yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe a bit less. I don't know. But yeah. Exactly. Well, Come see football cliches slides. instead. Elsewhere in their chat. All I've got to say about this bit is, uh-oh. Tell you why you wouldn't have wanted to work in this era, because you'd have had to work for Mike Riley. He knows! <laughs> Keezy knows. That's it. Doesn't he? No, I don't know. I don't think it's, do- I don't think it's definitive just yet. Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, we will know when he knows. <laughs> And I don't think could, we do just yet. If we don't make could, it to the first three parts of his blog, Nick, that's it. It's yeah. done. <laughs> I fear for us here. I, I, I do. This, this, it feels like he's waiting in the tall grass for us here. Yeah. Long, long wait for the Premier League to return at the weekend, Dave. Felt like a lifetime. But there are some things that Richard Keyes just doesn't let go of. Hilaria. Yes. <laughs> Why can't Arteta stay in it? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a really good game. <laughs> the biggest technical you hate area it, in the Premier League. He is never in it. I agree. He's never in it. Does he have some kind of... It's, yes, special dispensation. dispensation. He has an exemption <laughs> certificate for the... For that. The fourth <laughs> official stands here and watches. Yeah. And they do nothing about it. No, he's... I don't know he's what he can do it. when he's waving his arms around like a madman out there anyway. That's but. just the way he is. 
Just the wee, yes. The reason that, that you're not allowed to the touchline <laughs> is it's dangerous. Yes. Not for players, him. if they're... Yeah. I guess. Anyway. <laughs> Andy Gray's deep. had his fill of this now, hasn't he? Yeah. Andy Gray's not having it anymore. 100%. He's completely, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the, 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 the Gray, being the broadcasting professional that he is, provided, a, I think, at least two easy outs there. Mm-hmm. For, for You've drawn a line to this. Let's go. Let's do our analysis or go to commercial or something like that. But no, he kept he kept on going. I, again, I can't help but be stunned just how how much deference Andy Gray has for Richard Keys. Like he used to he used to dominate him so much more, but now he just sort of <laughs> lets it all slide. I don't understand why. It really baffles me. I just think he just his heart's not in it. Is, is all I can think. It's the biggest it, technical area in the league. <laughs> have you look, so, has you looked? I mean, have you looked at all of them? Yeah, that's, he might no, have that's done. not true yeah. for a start. West Ham. Yeah. West Ham's massive. Oh, when have Arsenal played West Ham away yet? Oh, when they no. do, he's mm. going to have an absolute fit. Do he's running around the track. You're not <laughs> Usain Bolt. Right now, we agreed that Jeff Winter was a solid 8 out of 10 Keys and Grey podcasty guest. Now, they had an absolute slam dunk of a guest pundit on being this weekend. It was John Terry, who was their Sunday, um, was their kind of Super Sunday style guest for the matches on Sunday afternoon but they got him in briefly on Saturday as well just to say hello and it was almost a bit like he was taking his B in sports induction John Terry is with us captain leader leader legend thank you golfer these days <laughs> well, no no very good golfer these days <laughs> trying <laughs> but that is extraordinary I find that it, it's it's good like I say it's good to hear mm. but for people that have oh. performed in front of 100,000 mm. is it's different Totally yeah, different. different. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah, I bet you Tiger Woods would struggle with an open goal six yards out. <laughs> I've struggled with that as well. Don't yeah! Well, Diana Ross once did. Yeah. Diana Ross? <laughs> yeah, she did. At an opening ceremony in America. Yeah. Can you remember, the day you retired, can you remember your first week after that when you weren't going to training? When yeah. you weren't seeing the lads? Uh, what that felt like? I was in Portugal and I remember being there thinking, oh, this is really good. Mm. You know, don't have to go. No one's telling me what to do, where to be, what time. Mm-hmm. And literally after three months, my wife was like, you need to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's literally like uh, ticking the entry form for being sports punditry. Incredible how these things sort of pass down the generations as well. That's Because that's a classic Warnockism. Mm. You know, Sharon. Sharon's. Uh, I've taken this this job yeah. because Sharon wants me out of the house. And Warnock's what thirty five years older than John Terry. <laughs> it's universal. It's timeless. It will yeah. always work to its for its sins. I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed today's episode. Thanks to you, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for you, Nick. Um, really well done holding your nerve in for my sins corner, especially. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. That's the sort of temperament we want on the Football Clichés podcast. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. See you on Thursday. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.